You're probably thinking, okay, last week he had a whiteboard and a ball. This week he's got a whiteboard and a ball. What's going on here? I'll fill you in. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. How many of you were not here last week? Trust me, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Yes! Wait, so how many of you were here? Okay. No, this is good. This is really good. I was trying to figure out why I needed to stay here on this, on this topic. Um, but this is, this is really good. So uh, what I'm going to do is, for those of you that were here last week, I am going to do like just a, a five to six minute recap. I'm going to try to do the ESPN highlight reel from last week. Um, short, abbreviated. For those of you who, who weren't here last week, um, it's on podcast, but the truth of what I'm saying is what I want you to get an understanding of. So there are other people that teach this. Um, if you want like a, an amazing teaching on this subject, Andrew Womack knocks it out of the park. Um, and and you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about once we get into it. Um, but I'm going to do a five-minute recap from, from last week, and then we're going to build on it from there. Um, but first, I want to kind of set up a video for you. We're going to start with a video this week. We did not do that last week. So in this video, um, we're going to see a real-life account um, of a gentleman. His name's Kenneth. Um, I'm assuming his friends call, probably call him Kenny. But um, Kenneth was uh, in a position to where um, he was literally on the stage for the entire world to witness him in a situation where he needed to make a tough decision. Um, and with that, I'll, I'll just let the video explain itself. Well, Kenneth and Drew, how about a 3D HD TV and a gas drill? Oh! It this 55-inch 3D TV features built-in Wi-Fi and Skype, includes two pairs of 3D glasses. And second, this 30-inch propane gas grill includes a pro-sear burner, blue LED control panel lights, an integrated ignition system, and three-speed dual-position rotisserie. Now, both those prices are bargain prices. They're like sale prices, okay? But I need to know from you, Kenneth, which one is the bigger bargain? Which one is the more away from the actual retail price? The whole world, the whole, the whole world says TV, right? Okay. I'm, I'm, my name is Kenny. I've been making wrong decisions my whole life. I'm gonna go with the grill. Start your own club, Kenny. Right, right. Studio the wrong audience. decision club, but we don't know. We don't know. Let's find out. Sometimes the studio audience is wrong. Uh, let's find out about the TV. Uh, Rachel, what's the actual price of that TV? It's only 55 inches. $3,149, difference of $1,000. But look at this grill. It's propane. It's got a rotisserie and everything like that. Then Whalers over there. $3,299. If it's $4,299 or above, you're a winner. What do you say, Manuela? $4,799. Who won what? Who won what? 
That's my man, Kenny. <laughs> I want you to key in on what Kenny said. Did you all hear it? The entire world, the entire world is telling me go with the TV. My name is Kenny. I've been making wrong decisions my entire life. I'm going with the grill. I love that. We're going to let that hang a minute, and we're going to get back to Kenny. <laughs> Even Drew Carey's reaction, he's just like, this guy. He's like, hey, you never know. The entire crowd could be wrong. Um, but let's just do a quick five-minute recap of what we talked about last week. I promise you we'll get back to Kenny. Kenny's going to come into play. I'll see if I can get any other people into this, too. That, that might help, too. Um, there's a movie reference. I'm debating on whether I bring it into the mix or not, but we, we might just for, just for uh, Andrew over here. But um, Okay, so last week, the majority of what we camped out on was uh, how God created us to be. And the reason we did is because we talked about uh, the center here of what I'm going to draw. Um, but we've all heard this taught before. We've heard it in church. And if you were here last week, guess what? You're hearing it again. But God created us three parts. He created us with a body, with a soul, and a spirit. So the way we usually hear about it in the church is we are a spirit that has a body or we have a spirit that lives in a body and has a soul. And for the sake of our discussion tonight, this is the body, this is the soul. I had to think a minute how I did it last time. And this is the spirit. So I'm going quickly on purpose. Um, so what happens the minute we decide to give our life to Christ? Here's what happens. This right here, our spirit, gets renewed. The Bible talks about how old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When we make the decision to give our life to Christ, that happens right here in our spirit. Our old way of living looked like this. We look to the world and everything in the world, and through the world, we got an idea of what the world says we're supposed to live like. We got an idea of what we're supposed to look like. We got an idea of how we're supposed to act. We got an idea of everything that we're supposed to do. Our old way of living looked to the world, and it affected our soul right here. And that's how we made all of our decisions. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. But the minute we give our life to Christ, it flip-flops. Now it restores a relationship to God over here, and everything that we get from him is supposed to come this way now. So we're supposed to get all of our stuff, everything that we know, everything that we know is to be true from God. We're supposed to get that spirit to spirit. Because our spirit's been renewed, he sees us the same as he sees Christ now, it opens up that communication to God so that we can have open communication without any hindrances, without being ashamed of what we've done, without things holding us back and making us not holy and pure and righteous in, in his sight. So now things have been flip-flopped. We have a Kenny moment, okay? We go from the entire world telling us to choose the TV 
to all of a sudden we're saying, wait a minute, my entire life I made wrong decisions. I'm not listening to the world anymore. I'm picking the grill. So this is our pick the grill moment right here. Sorry, some of you might have, I'm, I'm really simplifying this just to get through it really quickly. Um, so now spirit to spirit, we're getting everything that we know from God and that is supposed to, it's designed to renew our soul. And so really, the title of the message last week, and we'll probably give it the same thing this week, is this right here. This right here, the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions, this right here is your gatekeeper to transformation. If you're not seeing this truth, if you're not seeing Jesus out here in your life, this is the reason why. Your mind has not been renewed yet. How do you know when your mind is renewed? Your mind is renewed to the extent that you start seeing Jesus on the outside of your life. It's really interesting because we talked about the renewing of the mind last night. And if you think about the fact that we're going back to this very same message again this week, it kind of serves its purpose. Because we have 168 hours in one week. If we just hear what we talked about last week for 30 minutes, 30 minutes compared to 168 hours, there really isn't an opportunity for a great understanding of something. So the renewing of the mind is something that takes diligence. It's, it's something that we have to set ourselves to. So we know that the spirit is renewed because when we gave our life to Christ, we said this last week, our body sure was not renewed. Um, I used the example of, of bald people. Um, not that I was picking on bald people, but if you were bald before you gave your life to Christ, the minute you gave your life to Christ, you didn't get a full set of hair, right? So if you did, it was a miracle, and praise God. He can do anything he wants. But the renewing didn't take place in the body, and from my own personal experience and the majority of people that I talk to, their soul hasn't been renewed either because after they get saved, they still have some struggles that they need to work through. That's because the mind needs to be renewed. There needs to be transformation, and it's a process. And the reason why this is so important to understand is because if we don't realize that this is where our new birth takes place and these two things are a process, if we don't understand that, the minute we don't start to see Jesus on the outside of our lives after doing something for maybe two months or, or ha after hearing something that's true, if we don't see it on the outside, it's very easy to get into unbelief. Saying, I know that, but that doesn't work for me. And we talked about there's a difference between knowing and understanding. If the soul, the renewing of the mind, took place at salvation, we would look way different. The world would look way different. The church would look way different. Could you imagine if the minute, just imagine that picture. Imagine that. The minute you got saved, your mind, your will, and emotions completely flip-flopped. 
Imagine what that would look like. We wouldn't even be standing here talking about it. We wouldn't even, we would be the most selfless people ever. There's nothing that would, it would be like all of us were Jesus walking on this earth. If you just want to use me as an example, that's not happening. (laughs) So it's important to take a look at the why. It's important to understand how that process works, and it's important to understand that it is a process. The renewing of the mind is a process. And the scripture that we used um, last week, we used a couple different ones. I'm going to bring them back into play again really quickly. First Thessalonians 5.23, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love that because it literally points out the three different parts that God created us. It says, may your whole spirit, your soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Another scripture that we also touched on, it says, uh, Romans 12, 1 through 2, it says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There it is, right there. So that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So it says, do not be conformed by the world. It's saying we no longer need to look to the world and have it press us into a mold so that that dictates what our mind, our will, and our motion do. It's saying, no, You don't need to do that anymore. Don't be conformed that way, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing of your mind to what? This new connection right here, this new truth, and everything that comes in the truth that we are starting to hear, that we are starting to know through Scripture, through our own time with God, through relationship with God, and everything that we have access to, the renewing of the mind to Jesus. That's where transformation comes from. So this right here is your gatekeeper to transformation, your soul. And the question that I posed last week is, is your gatekeeper doing its job right? Because your gatekeeper has the power, ultimately you, and authority as to how far this goes. You have the spirit-to-spirit connection, but if all of a sudden you start to hear things about healing and how healing is for everybody, it can make it to your soul, but does your mind, will, and emotion want to be renewed to that truth? We're going to go back to healing in a minute. It's really interesting I saw a statistic, and uh, this was, I didn't check to see how accurate it was, but this doesn't surprise me. Um, I wouldn't doubt if it's pretty accurate. 
but this particular source said that 76% of prisoners go back within five years. That's interesting. There's a lot of reasons behind it, and I'm not trying to simplify it, but one of the reasons is because what happens when somebody goes to jail, their mind gets renewed to the way of doing things inside of the jail. They have a prisoner mentality, a a, a way of thinking that's been recreated because they need to know how to survive. So their lives get renewed, their minds get renewed to this new atmosphere, this new uh, way of living. And if they're there for an extended period of time and they don't have any way of learning how to re-enter back into society, they don't know what to do. And so some of the times they'll actually do something stupid so that they can go back to their old way of living because that's all they know. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? There's a lot of people, including myself, who have experienced this in their Christian walk. We, we got used to a way of living, and all of a sudden we hear there's something new, and we step out into this, this freedom, and because we don't renew our minds to what that looks like, we can slip back into the old prison cell that we were in. It was really interesting. I got to see this dynamic happen right in front of my face. Um, a previous employer that I worked for, we had a uh, agreement, or I don't even know what it was, um, with Kent County Jail, and we worked with their work release program. And it was always interesting to see at like what stage some of these people were at because they, they just got the okay to go from the jail to the work release program, which was a different building. It was the annex, they called it, um, which I don't think is there anymore. But um, So they went to the annex, and so it was like their, their try at like getting them back doing something, working, getting, getting out, learning some skills, or, or just getting out and, and you know, that, that reentry process. And it was always interesting to see where some of these people were at in that, in that process. And the majority of the time, what I, I witnessed was they were still applying prison principles to the job that they were doing at the, at the employer that, that I was uh, working for. I'll give you one example. I'm going to give this guy the name Bill. If your name's Bill, don't take offense. It's just an easy name to give this person. Um, and I highly doubt he would even hear this anyway, and he would probably laugh about it and say, yep, I did that. But um, so uh, long story short, um, it was my turn to go pick them up in the big, the big van, you know, and, and so I went to the jail, picked them up. They all loaded up in the van. And I, the, what these guys did didn't matter to me. It, it didn't matter to me. I was still going to treat them as a person, and um, the fact that they could get out and, and do some work, and I was like, okay, how can I make this better for them? And, and one of the, the treats for these guys was stopping at the gas station, 
Like the fact that they could stop at the gas station was, was crazy because there was more at the gas station than that they've seen in a long time. And they, could, they had a choice to buy what they wanted. So one time we stopped at the gas station and a few of them got out and it's taken a long time. And I'm starting to get a little nervous and everyone's coming out except for one guy, Bill. Um, it's taken a long time. And I, um, there's like some whispering and snickering. It's like one of those big 18-passenger cargo vans. So there's a ton of guys in there. And um, I hear some snickering in the back and stuff. And I'm like, what's, what's going on with Bill in there? And uh, they're like, I don't, I don't know what he's doing. He's trying to do something. And um, I don't know, 10 minutes pass, maybe, just sitting out there. All these guys with their work release clothes on. And um, one of them's in there. And I'm thinking... What is going on? And so here comes Bill out to the van. Nothing. Doesn't say anything. Nothing. Everything seems cool. Everything seems fine. I'm like, dude, what's going on? He's like, ah, I just, you know, I had to, I had to figure out what I wanted to get. And, um, you know, of course, he was looking straight at the ground when he told me that. So I was like, okay. And uh, so a couple days later, I go to pick him up again. And Bill <laughs> Bill says to me, oh, man, he goes, I, um, I, didn't, I didn't want to bring my coat. I'm like, what? They all had Carhartts, like, you know, uh, winter wear and stuff. And I didn't want to bring my coat, and I, for, I forgot to grab my something, whatever, sweatshirt. I just wanted to grab, grab my sweatshirt today or something. I was like, come on, man. He's like, we got to get going. And he's like, no, he's like, he's like, I can't go back in there, though. You have to go back in with me. And I'm like looking at the other guys, and they're all doing one of these. Like, I'm like, uh, okay. So, pull the key out of the ignition, right? <laughs> Put it in my pocket, go in with Bill. And Bill goes up to the front desk, and they're like, all right, Bill, what are you up to? What's going on, man? And uh, he's like, nothing. He's like, I, I want to put my coat back in my room. And, uh, and uh, they're like, all right, Bill, you know the drill. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. And so he puts his coat on the counter, and he, he does one of these, and they pat him down and everything. And they're like, go ahead, take your coat back, grab your sweatshirt, get out of here. So eventually I found out what Bill was up to. Apparently cigarettes can go for a lot of money in jail, like a lot of money. Just one cigarette. They made a ton of money on it. Well, how do you make more money? You sneak seven cartons in. So what was Bill doing? Bill was in the gas station, and <laughs> he was buying seven cartons of cigarettes, and somehow throughout the process, he had it all wrapped up in his Carhartt coat, used me as a diversion to get him in, and uh, he got him in. And uh, they were all laughing about it and everything, like, dude, you're just stupid. And that's what they were saying to him, dude, you're stupid, you know, that's not worth it and everything. And, and uh, he's like, they'll never know, they'll never know. And uh, they, never, they never found out. He had some way to hide him or whatever. But <laughs> it was just so interesting to watch that dynamic happen. Here he was on the process of stepping into a new life and on the process of stepping into a, a new way of doing things, and yet he felt like he still needed to operate from his old way of living. You know, we, we were 
we were actually going above and beyond for these guys. We would stop at the gas station. They got their lunches paid for. They'd get good lunches, and we would make sure that they were loaded up. We'd go to the restaurant. Um, there was a restaurant that was close that we got the lunches from. They were paid for, and we'd say, you guys load these things up. Take care of these guys, you know, because we did. We, we appreciated the work that they did for us. We wanted them to know, like, hey, just the fact that you're wearing a different uniform than us doesn't mean that you're different, you know. Um, and yet, because of an old way of thinking, there was still that prisoner mindset, that prisoner mentality. So there's an importance to the renewing of the mind. There's, there's an importance to having a Kenny moment where you can say, you know what? I've been listening to the world the, my whole life. My whole life they've been telling me TV. But now, now that I have this new way, I'm going grill. I'm going grill. But it takes a decision. It takes a decision and it takes belief. You know, it's really interesting because we can hear that somebody has unbelief and we think that just because somebody doesn't believe means that they have unbelief. Or it's like, you know, you can see them struggling in a certain area and it's just like, I just don't believe it. I, I, I have unbelief. And the Bible is very clear about believing. But unbelief isn't just that you don't believe. Unbelief is also believing the wrong thing. So if there's an area in your life to where you want to see your mind renewed and you think, you know what, I just don't believe that yet, I want to ask you a different question and say, well, what are the wrong things that you might be believing? I brought this up last week and I didn't get a chance to use it, so I'm going to force it into the message. I want to help you in an area of unbelief, okay? So even this fact right here, that when we get saved, we get saved and our spirit is good. Even this fact right here, people can be struggling with unbelief. They might be believing the wrong thing because it's hard to see. You can't see this until it makes its way out here. You can't see this until you start to see fruit in somebody's life. So this very fact right here, somebody here tonight might be struggling with this very fact. So I want to do this with you a minute. Just, just humor me a minute. And um, I was talking with Pastor Jake one day, and he said how he, he used this example in a different way. And I was like, man, that would fit what we're talking about tonight. So what is this? A ball. You guys all pass, right? I had, I had a lot of good conversation going on before the sermon, they're like, are we going to play dodgeball? Are you going to whip it at people if they're not listening? And uh, all those fun dodgeball memories came back into play. But what do you think of when you see this ball? Just say it out loud. What's that? What else? Play, what else? Volleyball. Fun. For me, it was dodgeball and how you could really get these things weaning. Like if you wrapped it up in your arm like this, and you could really get these things humming along. So I'm going to bounce the ball. Now tell me what you're thinking about. Basketball. What else are you thinking about? 
just basketball? There's got to be more than one thought than basketball. Foursquare. Yes. I forgot about foursquare. How many of you remember what was the ball on the rope on the pole? Tetherball. That thing killed when that rope burned you and got wrapped around your wrist. Tetherball. Okay. How come nobody said gravity? You can't see it, can you? You're not really thinking about it. But is it there? Is it real? What's more real? You can get rid of the ball, but you can't get rid of gravity. So the fact that you can't see gravity is a fact. You can see the effects of gravity, right? You can see the effects of gravity, but you can't see gravity. But the fact that you can't see gravity doesn't mean it's not true. It's really interesting because it wasn't until about 1687 that somebody was able to put gravity into words. Isaac Newton, he, he was able to, to publish a theory about gravity in 1687. And he was able to put words to it. And he, he was able, other people, you know, they, they had some thoughts on it and stuff, but it wasn't until he really was able to put some words to it and had some discoveries. And then in 1915, Einstein just totally rocked the, the whole definition. But it wasn't until 1687 that Isaac Newton actually put gravity to paper and people could learn about gravity. But prior to that, does that mean that gravity didn't exist until that point? No, it was still there. Isaac Newton was just the one that was able to discover it and put it to words. The same way that we can't see gravity, we can't see this. But doesn't mean it doesn't exist. We can see the effects of this, just like we can see the effects of gravity. But we can't see this. It wasn't until somebody put it to words that we started understanding what it really was. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You can choose to not believe in gravity, but are you affected by it? Come here and jump off the stage a minute. You can choose to not believe in this, are you going to be affected by it? Yeah. So there comes a point in time where our belief comes into play. We believe gravity exists. We have to make the decision to believe in different areas of our Christianity. We have to make the decision to believe that what God's word says is a better way than this way. We have to make a decision to believe that the whole world's saying TV, but we know what's grill. And the one more layer that I wanna put on this tonight is one more scripture. And I think this is gonna help with the whole believing and unbelieving. And that scripture is James 1, 
2 through 8. It says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing or nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgedly. I want you to key in on that. God gives to all who ask generously and ungrudgedly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. So believe. Believe. For the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. Double-mindedness can crush this process. The transformation, the gatekeeper right here, if there is double-mindedness and there isn't a renewed mind, it can crush the transformation process. And it can literally cripple you to the point of never seeing anything out here. The minute this happens, this gets flipped to here, there is a massive, massive contradiction happening right here. And there's going to be double-mindedness at the beginning until your mind is renewed. But you have to believe, you have to choose which way. Otherwise, listen to this, this is interesting. It says, for the doubters like the surging sea, driven and tossed by wind, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Does it say God does not give anything to him? It doesn't say God won't give. It said that person won't receive. God gave. God gave right here. If there's double-mindedness, you're not going to receive the fullness. So that's where belief comes into play. And we have to choose one way or the other. What are we going to believe Just like I said, no matter what we believe about gravity, we're still affected by it. No matter what we believe about God's word, we're still affected by it. We are still affected by our decisions about that. This right here is a process. Just like I said last week, it's important to recognize that we're three parts. It's important to understand what happens here spiritually. It's important to know what needs to happen here with our soul, with our mind, our wills, and our emotions. And it's important to know how God designed our body. The one thing that I'm just gonna scrape on because we could talk about it for a long time is the idea of consecration. I was talking with Pastor Murrell about this just about an hour ago, and it's something we don't hear too much about. But the scripture says to consecrate your body, to consecrate yourselves to the Lord. 
set yourself aside. It's easy. This is easy compared to what it takes for this. Jesus did this. He did all the work. God did all the work. We get to reap the benefit because he's a good God and because we made a decision. This is the easy part. The hard part right here, the soul and the body, we actually have to willingly consecrate ourselves to God. We have to willingly be able to hand over our soul to him, saying, you know what? Now my mind, my will, and my emotions, they belong to God, and I need to understand what that looks like now. We need to be able to say, you know what? My body, it now belongs to God. I need to know what that means. I need to remove any hindrance that might be happening here in my body. I need to remove any hindrance that might be happening here in my soul so that I can see that transformation. Because we said last week, ultimately, what is it for? It's so that others can see it and it brings glory to God. This is good. Why fight for this? So that God can be glorified. I, I have to be real and, and raw with you because as I was studying for this and just going through all of this stuff, one of the things that God revealed to me, and, and I'll just say it like it is, I'm talking about being willing to, to set our bodies aside for him. You know, and, and I believe that that's a lot of, lot of different things. Um, the scripture says that our body's a temple for the Holy Spirit to dwell in. God doesn't want us to make a God out of this. We don't pursue just this. We don't pursue just one area of our life and elevate it to where we're not pursuing him anymore. We can pursue good health in the effort to glorify God, but we can't make that a God. But what God revealed to me was, guess what? When you set your body aside, your tongue is a part of your body. Oh, he hit me with that one. Because he knows I haven't fully given him my tongue. I haven't. That's hard. I'm not standing up here saying that I have it perfect and that it's not hard, that it's not going to be hard, that the process is going to be peachy. It's not. There's a scripture that says a gentle answer turns away wrath. But how easy is it for us to automatically grab our swords the minute we get attacked and fire back with our tongue? And yet if I truly was yielded to God's way, my tongue would respond the same way that Jesus responded in situations like that. This is way bigger than a message. This is way bigger than a whiteboard. This is, this is an understanding that we need throughout our Christian walk. I'm glad that we had an opportunity to just kind of beat it up a little bit more this week. I'm hoping that some of you got a, a better understanding of it. And like I said, 
go back and listen to it last week. I went into more depth on it. But I think that what we needed to touch on tonight, we were able to touch on. But here's what I want to end with. The idea of setting ourselves aside. The idea of setting our mind, our will, and emotions aside. The idea of setting our body aside for God and fully giving it to him. That's a, that's, that's a, that's a hard thing for many different reasons. Especially if it's something that we haven't really thought about that much. Because it's something that's, that's tough. It's difficult. It's difficult. It's good to be challenged, but something like that, man, that's, that's challenging. The fact that God showed me that my tongue is a part of my body, I, he's like, you understand the body, setting, setting aside your body. I've been going through a process of trying to understand my body so that I can have more energy, so that I can, uh, you know, just be more present, so that I can have the strength that I need to do more when it's needed. I've been going through that process. He's like, you understand what it means to, to pursue that part for me, for my glory, for my kingdom, but did you forget that your tongue's a part of your body? That can be hard. But do you believe it's a better way? So here's how I want to end tonight. If you would just close your eyes. I just want to ask you, if there's a part of your mind or your, your will or your emotions, if there's a part of your body that you're hesitant about going all in with, you know, I, I know that I re need to renew my mind, but I like to uh, watch a certain program. I know it's probably not the best for me because it brings fear into my life, but I enjoy it. I, I just, I get entertainment from that. I come home from, from whatever, and it's a way for me to escape. And, and you know, I, I don't really want to give that up. But is it renewing your mind to the right thing? It can be many different things. It can be many different things. Maybe you understand the fact that you need to set your body aside, but you have created a, a separate God to yourself. Maybe you worship fitness more than you worship healing and health from our Father and God. I don't know. It could be different for, for many different people. But I just want to ask you right now, if there's something that you know that you need to set aside, if there's, there's something that you know that needs to be renewed, if you, if you know that there's something that you haven't fully given to God, I just want to ask you, what's holding you back? What's holding you back? You can choose to believe that gravity isn't real, it's still gonna affect you. You can choose to believe that our choice of salvation isn't real, but you're still gonna be affected by that. You can choose to believe that God doesn't want us to lay everything down because he has a better way. You can choose to believe that.
but you're still going to be affected by it. So I want to ask you what's holding you back. So in this moment, I just want you to use this as a starting point. If God's showing you something, use this as a starting point in a conversation with him. God, I know I've been holding myself back in this area. I'm choosing to lay it down right now. It's going to be tough. Please help me. Please lead me. Please guide me. Please show me what I need to have a new understanding in this area. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you that you love every single person in here. And the only reason you want us to lay everything down is because you have something better. We are the redeemed. Help us to understand that. Lead us and guide us down the path of transformation. Help us yield our our mind, our will, and emotions to your Holy Spirit. God, help us be quick to let go of the things we need to let go. And as we let go, there's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. There's no fear. And as I asked you that question, I told you we'd come back to this. Thanks for reminding me. I asked you that question, what's holding you back? For some of you, it's fear. Fear of man. Fear of what other people will think of you. And I just have one simple question that's going to destroy that. Would you rather hear what God thinks about you or what people think about you? So Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for what you're doing in all of our lives. God, like I said, lead us down that path of transformation with your spirit, with your truth. Father, we thank you that even though it's a process, you're right alongside of us. You know exactly where we're at and exactly where we need to be. And I thank you that you're with us every day we walk this thing out. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You guys, one thing that I want to point out to you is I would love, I would love to be able to lay hands on everybody and say, mind be renewed in the name of Jesus. But it comes from his truth, his word, and the reprogramming that has to take place in your mind based upon his truth. So that's on us. The renewing of the mind is something that he's given us. And don't see it as something to dread. See it as an invitation to spend more time with him and an invitation to a better way of living. 
Can we make that an agreement? I don't want anyone to walk out of here tonight thinking, man, I'm missing it. I want you to walk out of here tonight saying, I just got the biggest invitation in my life to a much better way, and I get to explore that with God. Can we agree to that? All right. 